probably a year ago before my injuries. I just finished my degree, got quite a good grade. I was physically peak performance. Um, I was basically doing everything I wanted to do. Um, I just got into my masters here. So yeah, everything was kind of going right and then injuries. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Right Feeling Podcast. I hope that you guys are enjoying your summer holiday, however that might be, indoors or outdoors. So joining me on this episode of the podcast is Aaron Field. Aaron and I get into the subject of finding strength in the fragility of life. Life can be very fragile as superhuman as a lot of us often feel. And sometimes I think we forget that we are susceptible to the fragility of life and mortality. And so, yeah, Erin shares her story about becoming a quadriplegic um, disabled as a more general term for people who might not know what quadriplegic means after an unexpected accident a few years ago. And from my conversation with her, you'll hear that she's an exceptional woman and she's she's honestly such a positive individual and it's been awesome to hear more about her journey. But in any case, I'll let Erin get into it herself. I hope that you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the podcast, Erin. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Maybe you can share a little bit about what happened and just your story. So my name is Erin Field. I am 24 years old. I live in Boston currently. I graduated from Goucher College in Maryland in 2019, but I did walk with my class in 2018, and the accident was 2017. Mm -hmm. So before the accident, I worked a ton, so I was waitressing in the summer, and then that fall was going to be my senior year of college, and I was going to go abroad to England. And my brother had an apartment for the summer because of an internship in Boston. And I was working in Maine and my boyfriend lived in Pennsylvania, but we both went to Goucher together. So I really wanted to go see my brother, but I also really wanted to see my boyfriend. So I was like, oh my gosh, we can just meet up. It's almost halfway for both of us to go to Boston. And then I could see my brother at the same time because I only had one or two days off a week. So my brother, he's like very into hammocking and he hung a hammock up on the roof of his apartment building. And the second night that Jack, my boyfriend, Jack and I were there, my brother was like, oh, you guys should go up on the roof. Like you can see the whole city. It's so pretty. It's in the North End of Boston. He was like, oh, like I'll set the hammock up where I always do. And you guys go in the hammock. And Jack was like, oh, I don't really want to go in the hammock. And I was like, I want to go in the hammock. <laughs> like, it was all me. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh, of course I wanted to. Like, I don't even like hammocks. So I don't know. I just really wanted to. I thought that'd be fun. So we got, we went to, like, a bakery, got some cupcakes. And then we, like, went up there and he hung up the hammock. And it was attached to a wall and the other side to a chimney. And so I sat down, like, on it, on the chimney side, like a swing. And when my boyfriend sat on the other side, right when he sat down, it collapsed. So oh it God. must have just been ready to collapse. And my brother said that he didn't think about it, but it's a two-person hammock, but two people had never sat on 
the hammock where it was hung. Like, he went on it every night, and he probably weighs 150 pounds, and he was fine. Hmm. So I don't, I don't remember anything from the chimney landing on me, but my boyfriend pulled off pieces of the chimney because it kind of broke apart. Hmm. And I was conscious the whole time, but I don't remember. But I guess I... Hmm. I guess I just kept saying, like, oh, my neck hurts and my back hurts. And he was like, oh, my gosh, she dislocated her shoulder. Like, he didn't know how bad it was. So he called my brother and he was like, can you come up here? The hammock fell. My brother came up and my brother was like, Aaron, like, can you put your legs out straight for a second? Yeah. And I was like, they are out straight. <gasps> and that that's when they were like, oh, okay, we're going to call 911. Like, they knew I couldn't feel my legs. Mm. They knew it was bad. And... I kind of remember they had to lift me off the roof, like with a fire truck thing, because the stairways are so small. From there, we went to the hospital. And then my brother had to call my parents and be like, and he didn't know how bad it was. So mm. he was just like, hey, guys, like the chimney fell and Aaron was on the hammock. And he didn't want to freak them out because it's like a three and a half hour drive. I mean, and it was like 1230 when he called her, like in the middle of the night, basically. So he yeah. and my mom was like, oh, like, we'll just come tomorrow. And he was like, no, you have to come tonight. It's bad. It's bad. Like, did they just think, oh, it's just like maybe a few bricks that right. fell they and thought, you, maybe you broke your leg or something? They thought that I broke my arm or something silly. And my brother, my brother couldn't really say what happened because he, he didn't know. Like, he didn't know how bad it was going to be. He didn't know if I was going to die. Like, he didn't know. Hmm. So he was just like so freaked out. But my mom said she could tell how freaked out he was, so she was like, okay, we have to go. So my parents came, and I basically, I remember my first memory is being in the hospital is before my surgeries, and I was in this one room, and, and it was so small that everyone could only come up to me one by one. And I remember my brother came up to me, and he was like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And I, and I was like, it's fine. Like, I didn't know what he was talking about because I was so confused. I didn't even know why I was there. And then my boyfriend came up and he was like, I love you. And I was so excited about that because he never, we hadn't said I love you yet. I mean, <laughs> I said it, I said it once to him when we were like drunk and he didn't like say it back. And I was like, oh, that's embarrassing. But <laughs> he tells me that he was, he tells me he was going to say it that night anyway. But I remember I thought that was so cute. He said, I love you. And then he, I remember him saying, I promise no matter what happens, nothing's going to change between us. And I remember that perfectly. And not that I knew why he was saying it, but it's just funny that I remember that. And then I remember everyone hugging me. And then I basically have no memory after that for like three weeks because of all the medication. Okay. So it wasn't that you had a concussion or anything? No. Yeah. I got really lucky. Um, I did have like a cut on my head, which I don't know what that was mm -hmm. from. And I had like a fat lip maybe from part of the chimney but nothing like I had no other injuries as well besides I did have my ribs were like cracked and then obviously my spinal cord was severed oh my god but I, I know and then I also um a really scary thing that happened was my um right subclavian artery was ruptured and that was a really scary one because when they did that surgery they were basically like okay so three options with this surgery could happen. Like she's either going to be paralyzed, like it'll paralyze her diaphragm, which means I'd be on the vent for life, which was really scary. Or mm. the surgery will go great and she'll just get a stent or she could die. Oh my God. Yeah. 
they came out in the middle of that surgery and said to my mom, they were like, plan A didn't work. What do you want us to do? And my mom was like, I don't know. Like, do whatever. Aren't you the doctor? Yeah. <laughs> like, man. So that was a really scary surgery, but it ended up going well. So I got lucky. And then there was another time in ICU and I had a, I had just had a really bad nurse. She wasn't taking care of me well. And she over medicated me and my heart ended up stopping for two minutes. And that was really scary. Not that I remember. This is just what my siblings and my parents told me. At that point, did they all already know the severity? Did the doctors already tell you? The doctors said, it looks like a spinal cord injury, but we can't tell you yet Mm. for sure until after the surgery what we think the level is and stuff like that. So they knew, but my mom tells me, she's like, even after they told me that it was a spinal cord injury, she still didn't realize how bad it was going to be. I mean, at the time, well, now you're 24. So at the time you were 20, I was 21. Yeah. Yeah. Like you just like even became legally allowed to drink. No one's going to think that this is going to be so serious, you know? And I mean, for maybe the listeners that that don't know, now you're paralyzed, right? From certain parts of your body. Yep. Is it from? It's from the chest down, which sucks because you don't have core function. So I can't like sit forward or sit up. Um, and my balance isn't great. And then basically I have no like finger movement. Mm. I have like one wrist that moves. Um, and then I have limited arm function. So I don't have triceps. So that was hard for me because literally my favorite thing to do was working out. Like I played field hockey, D3 field hockey in college. So yeah, that was definitely difficult. Oh man. So when, what happened when the doctors, well, because after the surgery, then they kind of knew the severity, right? So did they tell your family before they told you? And how did you find out? They told my mom and my brother, my brother did not handle it well. Hmm. And they told me, but because of all the medication, so I, I would cry and cry, I guess. And then the next day I'd forget. And so after like five days straight of my mom telling me, she's like, I couldn't do it anymore. So basically the first time I remember being told was like three weeks later when my sister was visiting and they had made a GoFundMe for me and she was in the room alone with me and she was like, I'm not supposed to tell you, Erin, but do you want me to read you the GoFundMe description? And I was like, yeah. And it basically said my injury that I wouldn't probably walk again, all that stuff. And Hmm. I remember like, I remember it, but I didn't cry. I think I was more in shock. And I was also really like freaked out because we had raised $70,000. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. And so I think I was more like, oh my God, we raised that much money for me. Like, I think that I was like happy in a way about that. And then just in shock about the other stuff is weird. I also wonder if maybe your brain, even though you might not have remembered during those three weeks, maybe it had already started to process emotionally without you realizing it maybe right because I have like um I remember those three weeks but none of it makes sense it's all like hallucinations and like really really weird I don't remember like why I was there but I remember being there and it just it's just all confusing so after you started to remember all this and then the reality starts to sink in how did you feel after that when reality started to sink in the most for me was when I was transferred from ICU, like four weeks in, I was transferred to Spalding Rehab. 
And in my head, I was like, I'm so excited. Like, this is going to be like a gym. Like, I'm going to get to work out <laughs> and like recover. And like, the, I was just like, I'm going to be with people my age. Like, and but then I got there and I didn't realize how much of like a hospital setting it still was going to be and how much like pain I was going to be in and how hard mm. therapy was and how it just it wasn't like working out like it wasn't fun. It sucked. And so that's when I was like, oh, like this is not going to be fun. <laughs> so I think that's when I realized like how much it was, how hard it was going to be. But the good thing is I was off, I got to get off the vent by then. So when I was on the vent in ICU, I couldn't talk or eat or drink. And that was really hard because I couldn't talk to anyone. So hmm. that was the one good thing. Because people are always like, oh, were you freaked out the first time you realized you couldn't walk? And I was like, no, I was freaked out that I couldn't talk because <laughs> that was like scarier, honestly. But you knew that you would be able to talk again at some point or was that unsure? Yeah, okay. yeah, because I'd already had that surgery. So they were like, you're going to be able to be off, off the vent like 10 days into Spalding. I got to get off the vent. Good. <laughs> so then how long were you in the rehabilitation center for? Three and a half months. That sounds long, but it's quite average or is that quite short for yeah I mean it used to be like back in the day they'd be in the hospital for six months but now it's pretty average and I'm actually pretty lucky for how long my insurance covered me because there were people that needed to stay longer there that had worse injuries but their insurance wouldn't cover it so I was like very lucky to be able to stay that long Oh my God, I can't even imagine the issues with insurance. That's Yeah, some people insane. like a girl that had a C2 injury, which is worse than mine. So she can't move anything from the chest down and she was on the vent full time. They were trying to send her home like a month before me. And I was like, she's not ready to go. But she ended up getting another surgery, which allowed her to stay, which was good and bad. That really bothers me. Yeah. Like, I mean, okay, this, I guess, is a bit of a side tangent and like mm -hmm. talking about social issues. But, you know, one time I got into a bike accident in Brussels and I freaked out because I didn't have insurance starting that day. Oh my gosh. And they had to take me to the hospital. And I just remember because when you're from the US, you expect fees to be outrageous, yeah. right? Like tens of thousands, if not hundreds mm -hmm. of thousands. And my bill came out to be 24 euros. Wow. Yeah. And then I just started to think how messed up our system is in the US for people not to be able to get the care that they yeah. need. I, I can't even imagine that. And the fear that gets into their state of being, you know? Yeah. And the only reason my insurance was so great is because my dad worked for like the union, mm. like for construction for the union. So he just has really good health care. And so that's the only reason I, I was so lucky. And, you know, mm. I was under 26 years old, so I get to be on his insurance. But for my first surgery, my next surgery, we could still see the bill. And it was over a million dollars. That's what they oh charge health insurance. What the hell? Yeah, it's insane. Like my power chair when I got it, 50 grand, $50,000. That's more than a car. You know, I really wonder, are things really supposed to be this expensive? I mean, I think they just overcharge because they see that you have that insurance and they're like, oh, they'll pay it and they just charge it. Then it's just a never ending cycle yeah. of like high insurance premiums and people that aren't able to afford it just getting sick and not being able to pay out that much. It's sad. Uh, that makes me so angry. Yeah. But on the other side, I am very happy that you yeah, have insurance I know. so that you could actually get the things that you needed Definitely. done. But yeah, I guess 
after your rehabilitation center um, time there, did you you ended up going home then, or did yeah. you stay? So in Boston? I instead of going home to Maine because I hadn't been living at home, I was in college and living like where I work. So I didn't really want to go home because my house is not accessible at all. So I was like, mm-hmm. we ended up getting an apartment in Boston, and me, my mom stayed with me because Jack went back to school for the fall semester. Mm-hmm. So it was just me and my mom and we were like, oh, we'll be fine. And we got here and it was just so hard, like emotionally and physically, you know, like we had to do like Hoyer lift for transfers. It it just everything was so hard. And like, I was so sad. That was when I was definitely the saddest was when I got home Hmm. because I was also bored. It's literally like anyone that was in quarantine by themselves, but add physical pain to that and like not being able to do anything yourself losing your independence that was me because all my friends went back to college man and yeah I think the independence part because it sounds like to me at least that you were working on your own you're living out in another city yeah you're doing your own thing and then now you have this full reliance you know on your mom right yeah because I couldn't I can't I still can't transfer I can't sit up on my own I can't move my hands so you know I'm hoping like I'll I'll keep learning to do more things but I still can't make food and stuff like that you know Hmm. but seeing myself getting stronger and like they told me like you'll never be able to get out of your power chair and you'll always have to have a headrest that's what I was told when I left therapy when I left Spalding rehab and that was really upsetting, you know? So when I when I got into my manual chair, I was like, it doesn't matter what they say. I can still get stronger. Like, they don't really know what I can do. Yeah, yeah. And that's kind of how it is with spinal cord injuries because there's just, they're all different and there's just not enough research done. Yeah. Although I heard that recently, I don't know if you've heard about this yet, but Elon Musk, he's doing some weird neural brain kind of, Basically, you carve out a piece of your skull and you attach this thing that has little neuron um, threads that are attached to certain neural pathways in your brain. And supposedly, it's supposed to help people either walk again, see again, or hear again, or even just hear for the first time. And he talked about this on the Joe Rogan podcast, and he says that he's hoping to roll it out by next year. But it sounds kind of intense to dangerous but he says that you know if you don't need it anymore you can always take it back out or if you don't want it but i'm like you're basically drilling out a a portion of your skull like i would feel a bit weird about that but yeah i'm like very with stuff like that in trials like i'm so scared of doing Mm. them because i feel so lucky that i have arm function that i'm like what if they made it worse yeah that's like my biggest fear yeah I like see. losing losing my arm function so I don't know I'm like scared to do stuff like that yeah no I get that I guess on that note what are some things that you took for granted before definitely and a lot of other people that are in wheelchairs will say this like showering I mean <laughs> I know I know that's weird but just being able to like stand in the shower it's just mm. I miss that not only that, but for me, because I'm not paraplegic, I need help getting in the shower, help washing my hair. Like, hopefully I'll be able to do more of that on my own in the future as I get stronger. But right now, like, I need help with all of it. And it's just like, you almost miss that alone time, too, you know? Yeah. 
The shower is when you have all these amazing thoughts. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and now, like, I, I don't even like being alone in general that much because what if, like, my back starts to hurt and I can't move or my phone dies or I drop something? Like, it's gotten better because I can do more on my own, but it's just, it, it's just frustrating. Yeah. And then other things, like, I used to love just going to, like, a coffee shop alone, doing homework. Mm. I miss that. I can't even like go to a coffee shop alone because my chair, like sometimes I fall back onto my tippers and then I get stuck. What if a door doesn't open or no one's there to open the door for me? Things like that, you know, mm, I have to think yeah, about that. Yeah. So I really miss that. Have you tried going anywhere alone already or not yet? I haven't. <laughs> I'm so scared. Like probably I definitely wouldn't be that scared to do it in my power chair. Mm -hmm. But now that I'm in my manual chair, it's harder for me because I'm not great at it yet. But I just don't want to switch back to my power chair because I'm trying to get good at my manual chair. But I've gone downstairs in my apartment, but that's about it. <laughs> is the power chair, sorry, I'm not sure about the terminology, but yeah. is the power chair, it sounds like it's electric or automatic or yeah. there's some kind of like joystick that you could use. Yeah, so something. I drive it with a joystick and I can also lean myself back and lean myself forward and it also raises up and raises down. So you, you have a lot more mm -hmm. ways to do things and maneuver yourself than you do mm -hmm. in your manual chair. You switch to manual chair, is it because you're getting better or is it a way to also progress forward for you? Yeah, I think the reason I did it is because one, like it's really great for your arms to get stronger and it's mm. smaller when you're getting around. But the biggest reason I did it is I don't have the wheelchair band. So to go to therapy or to go anywhere, the power chair is like four to 500 pounds. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you have to have a ramp and a van to go anywhere. Yeah, I see. Now my mom just transfers me on a slide board into the car and then my chair comes apart. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe. How long have you been in the manual wheelchair for? Probably like, I mean, I started last summer, I think, and then I like switched back mm -hmm. to power. And now probably since the beginning of this year, I've been in the manual chair. Because I was going to say, maybe you can try, I don't know, going to a local cafe that you already know or something where yeah. they know you and with your manual chair. Just to There's one the near my apartment that I once COVID is over, I want to try to go to that coffee shop because they also have a button on their door, like to open the door. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, I, I know I could get in. <laughs> so that's what I hope I can do. Do you feel like you started to notice much more, you know, shops or restaurants or cafes that were more accessible now that you need that accessibility? Definitely. Yeah. And also... I notice people in wheelchairs are around those areas much more than places that don't have a button on their door because a lot of people that are in wheelchairs, they don't like they get help so much. They don't want to go places where they need help. They want to be able to do it on their own. Hmm. And so if there's a place with a button, they're going to go there over another place. And I think that's interesting. I'm like, I see this couple that are both in power chairs and they only go to the one coffee shop in my town because it's the only place with a button. Because they're probably like, we can get in so that they go there. So yeah, it makes it makes you think about like how places really need to become more accessible. And if they all had buttons, they'd get a lot more business from wheelchair users. They just don't think they would because you don't see us out in those places. Then I'm just also wondering, how have your feelings about your reality changed over time? 
So at first it was all about like just finishing school. So I think that was also a good distraction for me to like not think about my injury and how things have changed. I'm like, I just want to finish school at one semester. And then mm -hmm. my boyfriend moved in with me. When I came back home that summer of 2018, that helped me a lot because mm -hmm. my mom had been living with me and my mom and I luckily never really fought, but also just being with your mom 24 seven and not anyone else it's hard yeah and you get bored you know so when he moved in that really helped me I think so would you say he's definitely been a huge part of what has helped you you know move forward and cope with with everything yeah so we started dating June 13th of that year and the accident was July 11th I guess we'd really only been dating like a month when everything happened. So, oh wow. So, when everything happened, I remember telling him, like, you don't have to stay with me. Like, we were only 21. We hadn't been mm -hmm. together. I appreciate all of the support and you've been great. Mm -hmm. And obviously, I wanted him to stay, but I wasn't going to like hold it against him, you know? Because that's like a big life decision, you know, mm. for him. Yeah, I see. And I'm like, my family's not going to hate you, you know? And he was just the whole time like nothing's going to change. And it was true. Like nothing did change. Like we talked on FaceTime every day. And then I went to school and he moved into my dorm room with me for that semester. And then he moved to Boston. So ever since the injury, he's literally been there for me the whole time. And nothing's changed. And we really like never fight, which is awesome. And he was so, so cute in the hospital. Like he slept in the waiting room, like when I, when he was wow. there for the first few weeks. And I remember he like got in a fight with my mom because only one person could stay in the room. And my mom was like, I'm staying in the room. <laughs> so I don't know if I could have done mm -hmm. half the stuff I've done without him. I'm sure I could, but it would have been a lot harder. Yeah. I I was going through your Instagram photos because I was so interested in your story and I saw one of the captions, you were talking about how sometimes you just wanted to be normal. Yeah. And then he was, what What did he say? Like, that's just boring or something? Yeah. He was like, why do you want to be normal? Like, normal <laughs> is so boring. And I just thought that was so cute because I was like, you're right. Like, like, why do I want to be normal anyway? It just seems like you're just like everyone else. I'm like, at least now I like stand out in a crowd for sure. <laughs> but I like that he doesn't care how people look at us, even in public and stuff like that. He doesn't care about that stuff. And people on, my, on the comments are always like, oh my God, like, I wish the guy I was talking to was like this. And I was like, if I would have thought about it before the accident, I would have been like, oh, he wouldn't stay with me. He would definitely not stay with me. Like, he was like any other guy, you know, like before we started dating. And like Jack said, you don't know if you would stay until you're in the situation. And any guy that's like, I'd stay with you, they don't know until it actually happens. Yeah. I'm just also wondering because Jack, he didn't get hurt at all. On the no. Earth, did he? He fell, but it wasn't up high and he literally like didn't even have a scratch. What? I'm like, I hate you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, like, I'm heck? like, how did I get such a crazy injury and you were just completely fine? Like, thank God he was fine, but also I'm jealous. <laughs> Man, I mean, I wonder if it was maybe his weight because he sat on closer to the chimney, right? Or did he? I was on the chimney side. So, okay, yeah, the chimney would just wasn't tall enough. Like it didn't hit him at all. So just landed on me. 
he he would be he used to he definitely used to have guilt like mm. even though he knew it wasn't his fault he knows now like there's nothing you can do to change it mm. it wasn't his fault and like my brother has guilt you know he hung the hammock there so he he has more guilt probably than jack but they both know like wasn't their fault and i don't care mm. but i i remember i was like please don't stay with me because you feel bad don't stay with me because you feel bad but at this point i still say that now and he's like Aaron, I would not be here for three years if it was because I felt that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, that's true. Yeah. I believe you. Yeah. <laughs> so I think about some people that don't have a significant other. And I'm like, I don't know, like how much harder, how much different that would be. But it would definitely be difficult if you didn't have like a good friend mm -hmm. that was standing by your side. Because, yeah, you always have your family, but sometimes you just want someone that's not your family you know yeah I get that yeah so then have your friends been helpful as well definitely like I've had four friends that have been great but if I were to pick the friends that I thought would have been by my side before the accident it, it wouldn't be the ones that did mm. it's really weird like the people that I thought would for sure be there like be amazing weren't and the people that have been by my side and still are not all of them but some of them are people that I literally hadn't talked to since high school and that I thought wouldn't care yeah. you know and now they're like some of my best friends <laughs> it definitely just brings out people's true colors you know yeah definitely and I'm just wondering if people even started to treat you differently after everything I feel like I definitely had people that I knew would message me and be really nice to me and I'm like okay like this is definitely kind of fake <laughs> You know, like in the <laughs> in the beginning, like I'm like, okay. And like I had some friends that were like extra nice to me, but I don't I don't think it was because they were being fake. I think they were just like people were freaked out, freaked out, you know, like some people don't know how to handle it. Like one of my best friends, literally, she came and saw me in ICU and she like passed out when she got oh there. Oh my God. Because she doesn't really like hospitals, but also just seeing me, I couldn't talk then. Like it was everyone handles it differently mm -hmm. but also it's okay if you're not ready to go see someone in the hospital it's okay but like send a text anyway because when you're the one in the hospital you're like it's really hard because you're like oh they just don't yeah. care like you remember the people that that haven't reached out to you yeah. but I'm also I'm the type of person that I'm like if somebody that literally hasn't talked to me since the accident if they were to message me right now and wanted to see me, I would love yeah. that. I'd be like, yeah, for yeah. sure. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold it against them. Yeah. Well, you don't seem like the type to hold grudges, Erin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, how do you stay so positive? Because looking through your Instagram, talking to you now, you just seem like such a positive person. And mm -hmm. honestly, it could have gone both ways, right? You could have been just angry at the world yeah. right? and become this bitter person. Yeah, no, I remember seeing a quote that said, you can either get bitter, or no, you can either be better or get better. Ooh, what is it? yeah. You, you can either, yeah, you know what I'm trying to say. You can either be be, be bitter or get better. <laughs> That's the quote. Sorry. But no, I love that because I'm like, it's true. Like, somebody else posted a quote I don't know who it was but they said why be miserable in a miserable situation like that's just double miserable I definitely used to at first be like why me like this isn't fair like out of everyone in the world why would this happen to me but now I definitely am like okay actually this is my second chance at life like I could have died and instead I get 
this second chance to live my life. And yes, it's different, but I get to still do so many things that some people can't do. And it's just crazy. Like you just have to look at it that way, I guess. Yeah. So then how have your future dreams changed? So I've always wanted to go to law school. I was an English major. And so I used to think I wanted to do like criminal law or something. And I still am going to go to law school. Um, What's changed, obviously, is that I haven't gone yet. But I'm hoping maybe next year, I just want to get a little bit stronger, Mm -hmm. like in rehab or therapy and stuff. But I definitely want to do like civil rights law, disability law Mm -hmm. now. And I remember like, I was the type of person before the accident that just was really busy. Like I, I loved working, like I worked a ton because I liked making money and I loved working out and I loved going out with friends and whatever. I was just like always on the go. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like I've slowed down more and like gotten to really relax more and like um, not take as many things for granted and just live in the moment because you can't like people that like try to plan out their life. They're like, in four years, I'll do this. I'm like, okay, but what if you get paralyzed tomorrow? That's what happened to me. Hmm. Like, you know, like don't plan out your life like years from now because you don't know, Hmm. like you can't do that. You just have to live in the moment. And that's what it's really taught me. And I'm just grateful for that. Yeah, for sure. What would you tell your 15 year old self? That is probably one of the main things is live in the moment. Don't take things for granted, but also just along with school and work also like make time for like friends and family and just having fun. Like don't stress yourself out over the little things and like just realizing that like the little things are not little. They're, they're big. Like I said, taking a shower, like that's, that is something I miss. And like, you don't realize that there's, or at least I didn't realize that there were so many people out there with disabilities that didn't have all these things and never would. And it just really opened my eyes definitely to the disability community. Mm. And I'm so grateful for that because I just felt like, how did I not see this before? But you get so caught up in your everyday yeah. life. Own life, yeah. You don't know. And I just, I don't ever think I was like a selfish person, but I didn't, I, I guess I just didn't know. Like, I feel like I just never realized. And so, yeah, I think that I would also tell my 15-year-old self to just be as active, go on hikes, go to the beach, do all these things that you're able to do because, like, you're an able body, even though you don't realize it at the time. You don't realize it when you have it. Yeah. Oh, man, Erin. It's seriously rings so true because life is so fragile and I feel that humans – Yeah. We feel like, you know, we're masters of this world. We can do anything in the world. And yeah, part of that is true. Like, look at how far we've come with technology and advancements, you know. Mm -hmm. But on the other side, life is so fragile and you never know what's going to happen. So why are we wasting our time worrying over the little things, you know, worrying about like, oh, do I have a four pack yet for my abs? You know, like, why not just enjoy yourself and live your life seriously? in every moment that you can exactly like not worry about the little things and like I remember I used to like cry in high school over like Mm. a boy or something and I look back at that (laughs) and I'm like 
I was so ridiculous. Like, I thought that was so awful. And, like, I didn't even know what yeah. half the people in the world were going through. Yeah. Like, I could have yeah. been, like, and, and you just don't know. You don't know how lucky you are. Because I said to a friend once, I, someone that I know is um a paraplegic, and I was like, she was doing all these cool things. And I was mm. like, look at, she's like, tips over in her wheelchair and gets back up. I'm so jealous. And, <laughs> my, and my friend that's a quad was like, you know, you shouldn't be jealous because there's people that are jealous of you because they can't move their arms. And I was like, that's so true. And now I never, now I never say that because I've had so many people message me that are like, wow, like, I wish I could be where you are and moving my arms. And I'm like, shocked that people look at me like that. Because I'm like, I I can't even transfer. I'm like, I'm not even cool. (laughs) And, And like, it's just, it's, so it really makes you like still be grateful for like yeah. what you have, which which is awesome. Yeah. And probably adds to your positivity too. Yeah, it definitely does. Like the disability community in general has been awesome for me. Like I message like hundreds of people a day that either they're helping me or I'm helping them. And it's cool because you don't know any of these people, but you feel so connected with them because of spinal cord injury and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, it's really cool. Well, Erin, just to wrap up now, when was a moment recent or any point in your life when you felt like things were just right? I would say I think of this because I literally have, you can (laughs) find it on my Instagram. It's a post. I think it was like a week or two before the accident and I was at my work where I lived and Mm -hmm. it's on a lake. It was like my day off, but I didn't have anything to do and I just went down by the lake and I sat on the dock and it was sunset and I remember I like took a picture of my feet like in the water and (laughs) and I remember I was just like I'm so happy right now like I loved my job I loved my life and the summer and just everything Mm. was just perfect and it's crazy that that was changed in a second Not that I hate my life now, but I'm just saying, (laughs) but I'm just saying like, it's crazy that like, I was like, this is so awesome. And then it was all taken away. Yeah. And so I love that photo because it was literally right before my accident. Yeah. Then did you have a right feeling at any point after? One of the times that I was like, everything is going to be fine was when I was still in Spalding Rehab and Mm -hmm. it's right on the water as well. (laughs) <laughs> and so it was summer. So they finally let me go outside because I was off the vent. And I went outside and it was super warm out, super sunny. And I remember I went and sat by the water and I laid my chair all the way back and I just sat in the sun and it felt so good on my skin. I felt warm and I was like, you know what? This is all going to be okay because even if I can never walk again, at least I can sit in the sun and just be happy. Yeah. And that's when I realized like it's it's going to be fine. Oh, Erin, that's awesome. It's actually really funny that in both cases, it was when you were at that water and that sun, yeah. you know, was hitting you. And Yeah. Yeah. And and that's like my still like since my accident, my favorite thing to do is just sit in the sun somewhere, especially as a quadriplegic because um, you can't like control your temperature. So you're just always freezing. So sitting in the sun is like it's an awesome feeling. Oh, wow. I had no idea that, that you wouldn't be able to control your own body temperature. Yeah, it's something with the spinal cord. You can't, uh, if you're severed at the sea level, you can't regulate your temperature anymore. So you're almost every quad I've talked to is like you're always cold. 
Oh so gosh, like my apartment's yeah. always 80 degrees. <laughs> oh my gosh, Jack must get so hot. <laughs> yeah, he does. Sometimes he's like, Aaron, I got to turn the AC on. And I'm like, okay, and I'll get my heat pack. I'll get all my heat stuff and I'll just have like a heater on me. I'm, I'm just, it's ridiculous. But but yeah, you kind of figure it out. Like I have a heated winter jacket and stuff I wear. So. Yeah, nice. All right. Well, Erin, is there anywhere online that our listeners can find you? So my Instagram is just erin.field with two Ds. Mm-hmm. And that's also my TikTok, which I've been trying to post more videos on. <laughs> uh, Facebook, I have like a blog, which is called Erin's Journey, mm-hmm. which is facebook.com slash live fearlessly. And then the number three. And then I have a YouTube channel too. I think if you just type in Erin Field on YouTube, it will come up. I don't know like my link or anything. I don't have one, but. And it's Aaron, E-R-I-N, Aaron. Yep. Mm -hmm. (laughs) All right. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast and sharing your story. It's really been awesome just talking to you and like getting to know you and your story. And yeah, I really wish you the best of luck and not just luck, but that you continue to get stronger because you will get stronger. That's for sure. Yeah. And hopefully gain as much independence back as possible. That's yeah. The goal. Go to that cafe. <laughs> Go to that cafe alone. Exactly. You know? <laughs> I got to do it this summer. We'll try to do it. Um, yeah. That's my goal. <laughs> Good. All right, everyone, I hope that you enjoyed this episode of the Right Feeling Podcast. If you felt like you have a friend or a family member or someone that you know that could use this episode, definitely share it with them. If you want to get in touch with Erin, I'll link her details in the description. And you can always direct message me as well on Instagram at the right feeling underscore or email me at jane at the right In any case, I can't wait to feel the feels with you in the next episode.